Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know this for sure, but I feel like... I feel the moment I'm feeling right now, the emotions I'm feeling right now are similar to that of a parent that gets in the car for the first time with their teenage learner's permit person because we're on the bubble today. We're letting Montana Samuels on Mike Bonner, and we even have a special guest here, Amy Chivaroli. Uh, Montana's driving the car today, and I don't know where we're going. (laughs) We didn't put much uh, planning into this, and we're just going to see where Montana takes us and... Amy and I are just passengers for this this podcast. Thanks for joining us, Amy. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> you could see as as we were getting ready for this, Montana was just had a little excitement about about him, and he he couldn't even put thoughts, complete sentences together. They were just fragments <laughs> combined together because of his excitement. So we're we're here to, to talk music. Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> there were some. I brought this up off mic, but there were some early. Uh, conversations mike and i had when we were uh doing a couple sports podcasts in a row where we we were like well we can't this isn't a sports podcast per se like we cannot be too analytical we don't want to talk about the x's and o's and on today's music podcast i think mike has just thrown those rules out the window and we're gonna get kind of analytical about this just sit in the back seat (laughs) don't know so I get sit in the back seat like the old school van with no windows you know where people like lived in the back of the, the the van and just you're driving along like the ninja turtle van i mean this is certainly going off the road but i don't know if it's me that's taking it there. living <laughs> a, living by a van down by the river you know just right just yeah, a passenger i don't know where we're going we're just just driving us along that was really weird not taking us hostage we're, we 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 went in the van <laughs> I mean, the picture you painted willingly you willingly painted a weird picture no so i've seen those old vans Amy? like an archer you know what i mean where they the, no, the guy I has his the old, van you're yeah. talking is this the van what are we talking about the what was <laughs> mr t what was he on uh a team a team the a team vans that's that's what i'm picturing the car that you're driving us in is the a team van it's the most disrespectful thing anyone's ever said to me. Some people would say that's very respectful. That's a that's a compliment. Some people <laughs> All right, would I'm say. Gonna, I'm going to get this ship this uh, ship righted here. So, I think a good van, not ship. We're in a van, remember, <laughs> down by the river. Oh my god! All right. So I think I think a good place to start. It, it's been an interesting two weeks, I'll say, in in music. It's really been an interesting year. But for the purpose of this podcast, and not to glaze too many eyes over, we'll narrow it to the last couple of weeks, a good jumping off point would be Kendrick's Pulitzer Prize win for his album, Damn. We talked about the album, Damn, on our Grammy podcast, but Kendrick is now the first non-jazz or classical performer to win a Pulitzer for music, which is pretty... I mean, if you look at the the mindset still that people have towards hip-hop that aren't involved in either the culture directly or the music or the music world. They don't realize quite how like revolutionary the sounds are and like what people, the risk people take in production and things like that. So I, I thought a good place to start would be to give a nod to Kendrick. Um, 
probably the most important artist of this generation, I would say. I, I'd like to hear your opinion on that statement, Mike. <laughs> I think the first thing that I thought of, and this was echoed by my music go-to person, uh, and she agreed when I said, he can get a Pulitzer, but he can't get a Grammy. For best out, yeah. That's, that was the thing that kind of popped out to me. Uh, I think it is... I, I don't want to make it too crazy of a thing that, you know, I, I think he deserves it. I think that it was nice on the, or admirable by the Pulitzer committee or board or whatever to acknowledge his art and his work and through hip hop. It, that's, you know, it's kind of like an artist, whether it's watercolors or oil based or whatever, his mean of painting is hip hop. I think a lot of people are recognizing that, but at the end of the day, it it's much like we say we, we kind of ripped the Grammys and said, you know, it's an award and awards are awards. I, I also kind of go back to the Bill Russell sentiment of people pick awards and you can't argue with championships. You know, he won it right. and there's no, there's no arguing. He won those awards are always, they're opinionated. So just like people are saying he deserves this, some people are going to say, no, he doesn't deserve it because hip-hop isn't. So I, I think it's a good moment to just sit back, appreciate you know his voice, his artistry, and some people will like that, some people won't. Just like some people continue to say the Washington Post is fake news and they, don't, and they right. won awards too. So right. you're never going to say, oh, this is Kendrick's time where you know hip-hop has been solidified in a thing. And Well, I mean, people, the New York Times and... Uh, Washington Post won Pulitzer's too, and people don't think that they're real either, or that they're real journalism. So you're never going right. to win everything. You're never going to silence everyone, and everyone's not going to be happy. But it certainly is a step that you can appreciate someone's artistic ability. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm uh, while we're talking about the Pulitzer, I did want to give a shout out to the uh, Ryan Kelly, the staff photographer in uh, Charlottesville, who took the, who won the Pulitzer for uh, the photos he took of the car crashing through the crowd in Charlottesville that was pretty uh as a photographer that's sort of a shot that uh you certainly never want to see in person but uh glad he was there to capture that moment it's a special shout out to you man good coverage but so th- this sort of transition I, I wanted to start because with- you're a photographer well I mean I think I was just curious this- a lot of people won Pulitzer so I was just curious as to why you picked uh, a lot of people, I just wanted to, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that one was, I always look at the photos, so photos to me, this is, we are already so far we are off so, track. I, Jesus. I'm <laughs> um, pho- <laughs> <laughs> just curious as to no, why. No, 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 so that, that one in particular, I think photos to me sort of are an articulation of what the purest parts of journalism are, in my opinion, because you are just, you're there. It's not about like curating these interviews and like writing a narrative it's about i was in the moment i captured it and i let people it, it, photos are like the purest form of journalism because it's just someone who is there who is now sharing a moment whether that be good or bad or tragic so to me the photos always stand out the clearest because you can just you just see it right on the awards page it's just like wow yeah that's a pulitzer photo like i agree i think the interesting thing from this and I, I think it wraps up into what our one of our former podcasts or older podcasts I don't know uh, one of the other podcasts we've done mm-hmm. in regards when we had um, uh, the reporter from the Washington Post on yes speaking about 
the Parkland students in social media and some of them are getting more retweets or more recognition than others, but there are some students in there that share the same beliefs and are doing the same things. And I right. think right here, as you pointed out, uh, the photographer from Charlottesville, well, I don't know this for, for certain, and we can even go differently. We'll say, you know, Washington Post and Roy Moore or New York Times mm-hmm. and the Russia scandal. There are more outlets reporting on that, you oh, know, sure. and I, and so, and this is maybe where you, you're, um, the retweet you just recently you know, tweeted out about it shouldn't be forgotten that, you know, while these people are recognized, mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah, lesser the, the people who are also doing it. It's just their, you know, voices, the loudest, their outlet is they have the most Twitter followers, so to speak. Sure. Um, literally and figuratively. Especially in the case of like New York Times, Washington sure. Times. For sure. But it doesn't mean that they're the only ones either A, rapping about it, reporting on it, taking those photos. Right. It, it's just, yeah. And I think that's where the award thing, to get back to my original point, was the award's really nice, but it only focuses on a certain group of people or a certain person or outlet or wherever, where usually in these circumstances, there are more people uh, yeah, doing the same type of things. Just this rapper's rapping about right. the same things that Kendrick is. It's just that he he's kind of in the spotlight At now. the end of the day, it's still relative because it's still a exactly. group of people's opinion about who did the sure. best job over the year. So, yeah, totally agree. But so I wanted to start with Kendrick because I think – Ken- Kendrick is going to be the only male artist we're going to be talking about today, which is why we brought Amy in because Amy recently saw Julian Baker at the Columbus Theater in Providence, right in my neck of the woods. And I, I wanted to start there because Julian Baker is sort of, uh, there's a moment happening within the Indian punk and uh, those adjacent, sp- adjacent spaces in, um, guitar-led music, I guess, is like a good way to put it, because what's been going on recently with like indie rock, like rock music as a coverall is that it's really boring. Like the music that's been coming out has not been critically praised. <laughs> it's just been bad. And most of that up until very recently has been put out by men. Now we're seeing this moment where a lot of these women-fronted bands like or artists like julian baker like phoebe bridgers like diet sig are coming into this moment and it's really powerful for not only the women who have occupied those spaces but just in general to see them accepted by this community of music that up until very recently had sort of dismissed them as like girl bands right Mm -hmm. and you had an instagram post that i thought was like sort of a powerful articulation of that where it spoke about like you've been feeling a lot of anxiety recently and this sort of, can you articulate what that moment was and what artists like Julian Baker have sort of meant in like dealing with these sort of, these sorts of issues? Yeah. I mean, I just, I felt like there has been a lot going on lately and, um, I know usually helping to deal with that is music obviously and live music, especially, um, I feel like every so often I just need to be at a show just to kind of, like, I don't know. There's kind of, like, a release that's involved in it. Yeah. Um, just being around a certain group of people um, and hearing the music live. And I didn't think I was going to be able to get to this show because I had worked late on Sunday. And right. then I had to drive to Providence, and it was pouring rain. <laughs> and then I had, a blo- I had to park a few blocks away from Columbus Theater. So then I was literally running from my car in the rain to the venue and finally got there. Um, I think I maybe missed 15 minutes of her set, mm-hmm. but 
I felt like she still played a lot of songs. Um, and the funny thing about that is somebody actually ended up getting kicked out of her show. Really? Uh, yeah. So I didn't, I couldn't really see what was going on. I was kind of sitting toward the back. Um, and there were these people in the back that were being super loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's, I mean, you, anybody can hear that because Julian, like all of her songs are really yeah. quiet yeah. and low key. It's <laughs> not, not like. If you're not familiar with Julian Baker, I think one of her, one of her lyrics, and I'm paraphrasing is, uh, she wishes she could write songs about things other than death. Yeah. So if you can, if you can envision the type of music that goes along with songs about death, uh, it's very soft, uh, acoustic often. You can hear what she said. Yeah. So we weren't, we weren't having a mosh fit in the, in the front or anything right. like that. So <laughs> you could tell that people were kind of screaming in the back and there was a lot going on. Um, and then the security got involved and I think people ended up being taken out, but um, her reaction to it was just really funny. I mean, obviously she she was very graceful about it and finished right. her song, and it was amazing. Then she was like, "Is there a fighting going on? There will be no <laughs> fighting at my show." <laughs> and she's just I don't know. She's super funny, even though all her songs are really sad. Yeah, well, and that's something we've both you and I have talked about mm-hmm. um, a good number of times with artists like Julian Baker, or like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, the music is very much in the vein of like an Elliot Smith, where it's more intimate, it's more personal. You're sharing experiences that, well, the, so the artist rather is sharing experiences that they assume are going to be shared and um, relatable. And I think, so it's worth noting, though this moment is happening and it's gaining more notoriety, there there have been female-led, women-led bands in the past that have done this. It's just I think the moment right now is unique that they're gaining some notoriety. So, I think like, did you grow up, at, like, going to shows or, like, in indie scenes, like, emo scenes and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. totally emo. So, so, <laughs> I think you know that. Can, so, what was, because I'm interested, so, like, Brand New just put out that new album, right? And mm-hmm. then it came out the week following that Jesse Lacey had these problematic things where he he essentially, I wrote this down, Jesse Lacey was accused of like sexual harassment, manipulative behavior, and child grooming of like young fans, essentially. And I think people have talked a lot about how those scenes, especially for younger women, are difficult to be a part of, despite the fact that you want it's like relatable music, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel that there's been a change in sort of the more like intimate indie punk? scenes where women are becoming a voice that's not only taken more seriously but accepted more in these spaces yeah I mean I feel like in a lot of spaces like women's voices are becoming stronger and people are starting to kind of hear them rather than um you know just sort of notice them like I, I feel like people are kind of paying attention a little more yeah and what do you does that so let's say you now at like a Julian Baker. So like obviously at a Julian Baker show, this is a specific art audience that is willing to sort of open up to a, a artist who's sharing these sort of intimate moments. But over the past couple of months or like even year, have you been to shows that are maybe more traditionally like in the past would have been like a male centric crowd and noticed a difference from like when you were younger going to emo shows or something like that? Um, like a difference in the crowd, you mean? Like, and how, like, are there more female faces? Are there more, are women more accepted? And because, so a lot of these spaces, at least 
coming up for me and listening to other people who came up through these scenes, it seems as if maybe like um, the like the opinions of women and also like women at the shows, though there were like you could hear in the artist's music, it was still a bit like um, misogynistic. Like, have you noticed a difference in the more recent incarnations of punk and indie music that it's changing a little bit? Um, Do you still think it's there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of, I don't know, I guess for me, like going to shows, like I never really felt uncomfortable um, in like certain spaces. Um, I mean, I guess as I kind of got older, like I was kind of more comfortable going to shows by myself versus bringing a friend or whatever. Um, I've definitely had some like not great experiences at shows just as a young woman. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I know, I mean, there's probably more, you know, I'm sure there's more women like feeling comfortable in that space. Um, and I just kind of reminded me of, so I've been listening to this podcast Invisibilia that Mm -hmm. NPR does. Um, that's really awesome. And they just recently did one about like call out culture, Mm -hmm. um, and the hardcore scene and like punk scene and kind of what that's like. So I feel like that's more of that, um, coming out in certain spaces, um, which I think is good in in some cases, but I think it's nice to see people because as a as a musician you're sort of uh placed in this position of power by the people who listen to your music and it's it's refreshing in a way to see at least in certain genres um those people being held accountable for some of the things that they're doing that are abusing that power um which is not necessarily true in all genres right now um with people like XXX Tentacion or the artist 69 and hip hop having either pled or been charged with some problematic to say the least things toward women. But, um, I, I thought, so that was a unique, um, with your experience going to the show, I thought it was cool to jump off into that. We're having this really powerful moment, um, in Indian punk spaces, but we're also having this powerful moment in hip hop for women with Cardi B's latest album coming out. And I think, I mean, Mike knows how much I love Cardi B. I think I've voiced it multiple times on this podcast. You do, yes. But so Cardi B's album came out last week. It debuted at number one um, this week on Billboard, the uh, top 200. But I think the the most important thing, we can talk, I, Not to, we're not going to do the more analytical side, so I won't delve into why <laughs> Cardi B is the greatest human being that's ever walked the face of the earth and why it was really nice of Jimmy Fallon to let Cardi B co-host or to, to, uh, it was really nice of Cardi B rather to let Jimmy Fallon co-host <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's show the other night. Jimmy Fallon's show. <laughs> it's the tonight show. That's a huge, well, that's Cardi it's a B's huge show now. deal. It's well, Cardi but it would still be the tonight show with Cardi B. Right. Yeah. I mean, whether it was Carson Leno or right. Fallon yeah. Or it was a, Cardi B. So essentially, I, I think, obviously, Cardi B's moment is really cool, especially in hip-hop where... But I think the the most important moment right now is um, seeing what happens as other female artists drop m- new music. Because there's been 
a theme in hip hop throughout the years of it that there's only there can only be like one like one at a time like if, if Missy's out right now and she's really she's doing really well then Remy or like Nikki or someone else has to like wait a little bit and now it seems as if pe- because people are having these conversations about it Cardi's album just dropped Nikki's about to drop an album it seems she put out two singles last week as well people seem to be more receptive of the notion that there can be two female artists coexisting at the same time in a, in inclusion of the litany of underground female artists that are coming up right now like Princess Nokia etc so um yeah I just thought that was kind of uh it, well I think the the telling thing will be longevity you know, it, it is. You're right. There, there's Nikki and Cardi B right now, and they they seem. But to me, Cardi B is in the prime, and Nicki Minaj is. I don't know if she's still in her prime. You know, I I, I think hmm. maybe a few albums ago she was there. I think we've seen this in the past where you have Eve or Missy Elliott or Lil Kim, and uh, they've there've always been some intertwining, but. I think you're right where it almost seems like the the torch gets passed. So I'm more interested to see is Cardi B and Nicki Minaj going to, you know, continue a rap career or is this more Nicki Minaj handing the torch off to Cardi B? Yeah. Well, and see, I think, so there's a couple of like, like we've seen in the past. I feel like right. that's kind of how it goes is where, well, and there, and there's layers to that too, right? So hip hop by nature is competitive. So it, it seems like you, you can't re- like it's, it's different if there's not that many female artists and it's a competitive thing by nature, it almost breeds like, well, there's only two of you. Like you, there's gotta be like a little bit of beef. Whereas like a Jay Z can come out with four, four, four outside of his prime definitely. And still be received well without having to deal with any of the, um, I, that type of thing. I agree. I, I, but I, I also wonder, I think, I wonder if that's a stereotype within the hip hop community where, who I I understand there are rivalries right but at the same time Cardi B and Nicki Minaj are two of the biggest stars in hip-hop they also have a little bit of beef they do they do but I wonder how much of that is just industry created because oh at at some point and I and I understand you know Drake has had some but rivalries and such and but when you look at the major players in hip-hop right now I mean as you mentioned, like, you know, Jay-Z can release an album and, you know, whatever. Yes. Drake does his own thing, you know, stays in his lane recently. Right. Eminem, kind of the same thing. When you look at these big named, especially established. Right. That was, I think, the point. Nikki, for me, is established. She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to have a rival. You know, she's... Right. She, so I wonder, the fact that we're even bringing it up seems to me that, like, it's kind of industry created where no one's thinking, like... Oh man, Drake just released an album. What is so and so going to say about it? It doesn't matter. Well, it just goes out. I and- think, that, but that comes with like it, a lot of that comes from like radio, right, or sales. So it radio. It was in country a couple of years ago. There was a statement made, and I I can't remember the source of this quote, but there was essentially a statement made that was men are the lettuce and women are the tomatoes in a salad and you can't have too many tomatoes. And that's like speaking in radio terms. And that's very much the same thing in hip hop where like you only get so many spins an hour. DJs specifically 
especially when you look in the past iterations of it, have only felt comfortable playing one female artist an hour. So, like, if Cardi's real, real... I keep wanting to say, like, real, real hot to deem, like, how popular she is, but that's not the word choice that's very appropriate for this podcast. So, if Cardi's very popular and garnering a lot of attention, she will play... But if Nikki releases a song and she's still not as popular as Cardi, a DJ will not feel comfortable playing both of them at the same time. So only one of them gets the same push that, like, say, like a 6-9 or an Tentacion or Kendrick will get, even though the two previous artists are, like, much more problematic and things like that. As we move to mainstream, I wonder how Amy feels, and because I don't think it's a hip-hop thing. Uh, no, it's very like I said. Because when you look at you country, have two yeah. of the but well, yeah, two of the biggest stars in the world, music musicians in the world, Katy Perry Especially, and Taylor Swift. Sure. They're there's always this oh, they don't like each other and there's this beef and it's I don't really even know. I sure there may but who cares? You know, I, I just don't yeah. know why. You know, even you look back in my childhood, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, like there always has to be this this dynamic rivalry rather than just you know, Eminem and Jay Z. I saw them both in concert. The same. You know, they're sure. they're in harmony. They're the two biggest rappers in that time, and they were they were fine. And I'm just wondering why in female recording artists there always has to be this back and forth. It seems, at least, it appears that way. I, yeah, I, not to cut you off because I do want to hear your opinion, <laughs> but that's true. I mean, you mentioned Jay Z and Eminem. They both certainly had beefs in their career. I mean, Jay Z and Nas was like a huge moment in hip hop, and those were the two biggest artists at the time as well. No, I, I, I'm not. I, I 100% agree with that. That there, there are beefs, but why that? Why female musicians are often pitted against each other by outside voices? Yes. Okay. Because in that sense, and I, and I, and I get that. Well, I don't even know because I don't. But supposedly there is some, you know, beef, and with Taylor Swift's video, she like puts stuff about Katy Perry subliminally or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but. Shout out to female, or just shout out to pop radio in general. Just shout out to pop radio. What a beautiful, <laughs> welcoming space. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious how, like, am I seeing things or do you see it as well? Or how, how? Um, I just, I, well, how do I say it? Um, just like this dynamic that we're talking about. I mean, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, we right. should. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the songs that, um, you know, women make, like, that should be played on the radio the same amount as, you know, songs that are by men. Um, it's just kind of stupid that, you know, the industry, you know, I don't even, you know, whether this is true or not, the industry feels that there needs to be some kind of tension created um, between female artists or even male artists just to make, you know, I don't know, something more interesting or just to... You know, I don't know what it is, but I think it's silly. Yeah, I think so too. And and hopefully, I, I think that's changing a bit. Um, that at least seems at at the present how people are reacting, and specifically in regards to Nikki and Cardi, because they're two love figures within that that genre specifically. Um, but I think that is sort of the beautiful thing about the scene we were talking about earlier that Julian Baker occupies, because there is. I mean, there's a lot of collaboration going on in that scene. And it just seems, rather than um, something like hardcore or punk, where it's sort of this, um, 
difficult thing to breach if you're like an outside voice that's very welcoming and very open so it it's sort of it it is nice to see that change in music as a whole almost with rap and with uh indie and those punk spaces it is nice to see them become more welcoming and more uh unified if you will especially for the people inside of them so yeah. And I mean, I guess in like the type of spaces that like Julian Baker, um, you know, uh, revolves in, mm-hmm. I mean, just like from what I can see, like those seem to be like more supportive in terms yeah. of like I've seen like artists supporting other artists or even on Twitter. Right. It's like I see, you know, that kind of support. Right. And it's not to pit one genre. I, I want to be very clear. We're not trying to like pit one genre against each other. Oh, yeah. To like no, uphold. no. It, it's just there are certain nuances that go into hip hop in these other spaces where like the the type of beefs we're talking about in hip hop is part of the culture. And it's part of what makes it really fun. I think more so what we're trying to articulate is it shouldn't impact. Katy Perry and Taylor Swift both play on the radio despite the fact they don't like each other. Historically... Nikki and Remy, Remy Ma specifically, who most recently had beef, will not play on the radio within the same hour if they have beef with each other because you have to pick a side. That's the problem that comes with. And like I said, it seems like maybe that's changing. I think when Nikki drops, Cardi B is a popular enough artist to maintain her radio spins and everything like that. And I, I don't think it'll affect, but it is sort of nice to finally have this conversation in the forefront in more than just rooms like this where it's like two people's eyes glazing over listening to this white guy talk about (laughs) rap music (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i'm just i'm just riding along i I went there was a solid um portion there where it was great just to sit back and listen because i i had not heard of any of the people you guys were discussing Um, yeah so it and I don't listen to indie punk or right. any of that. So it was just it was interesting to hear different, which is what the bubble's all about: is taking people out of their yeah their comfort, zone, comfort and, zone and learning new things. Yeah, I don't. Even, I <laughs> well, I know you have more written on I your. Don't uh, want to t- I can't. T- <laughs> we've we've gone deep. Let we'll save Beyonce for now. If you haven't seen Beyonce's Coachella performance, go watch it. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but we don't need to delve into that today. <laughs> I haven't seen. I didn't I know that was going about to. It this weekend, if you guys want to see it, you can go to my timeline see and see tweet. my Beyonce opinion. <laughs> I just stop going to Coachella, guys. That's all. I, just stop. Stop. What it. if you want to see Beyonce? You can see Beyonce an, Dude, another time, another don't place. Don't make me get. <laughs> yeah. Stop I mean, going to Coachella. Let got to got to open it up. You, you can't you can't dangle it out there. We can even just step in, toe in the water. What? I okay. So beyond, let me let me pull up my notes. So beyond, essentially, Beyonce's performance was very much like a, a celebration of Southern Black culture. Right? She had the backing marching band and the. Uh, historical black college and university sort of vein where it was very much dance centric, very much drum. Like it it was just, if you went to Georgia Southern and Grambling and you were waiting for the halftime show, it was very Mm -hmm. much that it was this big celebration of blackness basically. And it was great. She brought out Salon. She brought out Jay-Z. She brought out Destiny's Child, which seemed to get the biggest crowd reaction, but it just, so she, at a moment, 
she at a moment in the uh performance she says thank you for letting thank you for having me as the first female black performer and then she said ain't that a Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are we going to bleep a word for the first time in the bubble saying. podcast history? Yeah. So, um, and it just seems to me like that. I think Coachella has this reality where it is a place for wealthy, white, coastal, sorority, fraternity, Instagram influencer types to go and dress up and Indian headdresses and take a lot of club drugs and just sort of be there with these often black performers as accent pieces to their party. That performance should not be an accent piece. And it becomes especially questionable to me when the people who that performance was for, the people who are attending these HBCUs and the people who are celebrating Beyonce for a person that is a powerful black female voice in America often can't even afford to go to the show because the tickets are like, I don't even know what the ticket price. I stopped looking like five years ago at what the ticket price is. No, I think that, and to me that's, it doesn't have to do with Beyonce's performance or anything like that. I think it's something as you talked about it, it's, it's a price point thing and it's something that hip hop has dealt with for a long time in terms of, uh, I know in the, the 90s and the 2000s, you look specifically in the 90s and 2000s before, um, you know, the G Yeezys and the Macklemore's and, right, you know, these, like massive white, right. You, it, you have post Eminem, you have yeah. people where it was predominantly a black industry, but all the record sales were to white middle schoolers, <laughs> I mean, for right. lack of a, a better term. And I know even when you, and it doesn't even have to do with hip hop. Um, I know one of my best friends, she was talking about, you know, she grew up in uh, New York City, and I was talking about, you know, oh, have you, like, you know, heard about Hamilton? Have you, like, read this and that blah, blah, blah? And she was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to because th- my family who lives in uh, the Bronx can't afford to go. So, yes, right. it's this great, this great immigrant story of blah, 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 and then they're going to charge $300 a ticket. Right. Who's going to these things? You know, it's mm-hmm. while she appreciates the 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 voice and the idea behind it i i mean beyonce knows what coachella is and she's right. a great representative for a lot of people but it, how do you reach out to the, the uh, how do you balance the socioeconomic right. aspect well of and it? this it, it, to me this because is her more... voice you saw it like in there's there's a there's a powerful thing on youtube where you can everyone yeah. can share it you can but at the same moments, time yeah. as amy expressed earlier seeing live music there's a it's exactly. a different thing just watching on YouTube and it's it, we as three white people here we couldn't afford to go to Coachella so it, it's really yeah. it's it's beyond that it, it's yeah the prices Jay Z and Beyonce are coming to Foxborough for at least one show I looked because I was a fan of both and right I can't like right I couldn't go so it's 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 certainly a thing where I think regardless of who the performance was for or who you know, whatever matters, the price point yeah, is a huge thing a price, in, in music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I, it, yeah, that it just struck me as kind of off. Like, I don't even know how you would fix it because I'm not one to tell. Like, that paycheck, I know what that paycheck looks like that Beyonce got from performing at Coachella. You, I'm not telling you not to perform there. It's just 
it I wish there was a way in which these music industry spaces could be more welcoming to the people who the music is influencing rather than the people who influence the ticket sales for Coachella, right? Whereas, like, it's just really tough to see this continuous stream of white social media influencers posting photos throughout the weekend at Coachella of, like, having the time of my life. And it's just like, dude, you're going to see the Chainsmokers. Like, just go go to a Chainsmokers concert. Like, you don't have to... Not to get too, you know... (laughs) lofty but it, it's an interesting aspect of uh maybe that's why beyonce did it you know it's a it's a, a freedom of speech type of thing where she's sure. spreading her speech to maybe people who you know as you said if if it is in fact cause i i i did not see the video i don't know who was at coachella i right i know i've heard of it but i don't you know um but yeah if it's if it's primarily all affluent white people that's a that's an interesting message that she sends to those people that sure. they may not have otherwise heard in a different realm. Yeah, and I think that's how that that's the thing about music is you can you spread messages or feelings or whatever through different means. It's it's a, I mean it's a form of art, just like that's yeah, what, just like anything else. Yeah, be we're not calling out. Please, Beyonce fans, if you come across this podcast on an off chance, do not spam our twitters. We are not trying to slander Beyonce. Are you sure you want to say that? I mean, that could be the the bubble's big. No, no, no. I that's all, not I do. I say is good publicity spam, Montana gets spam Mike Bonner if Montana you want. Samuels I, gets I am not ready for those stuck problems. in the beehive. I am not I do not want those problems. And then we just get rid of Montana and it's the Amy and Mike show. Oh, I mean, God. it might be the yeah. Amy and Mike. After this rambling, it may be the Amy and Mike show regardless. AM. I'm just trying to th- come up with cool names already. I'm yeah, sure Amy would enjoy me. going to the, a cushion creamery with Mac and just chilling. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> mad that you guys didn't invite me. Like, should we like I should have been a guest on that show. You like, should have been. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. true. She's probably like, I'm talking about indie punk yeah, music I gotta with come this. Talk about, I go to a Julian Baker show and I got to listen Crazy to person. and talk about music for 35 <laughs> minutes. What did I get myself Meanwhile, they're going out for ice cream with a dog and just chilling. You want to go get ice cream after this? I think it was we said you can never have enough ice cream. Yeah, I am. I don't know if it if it came across this new microphone we have in the the studio here, but my stomach has been like grumbling throughout. Yeah, I'm so if you really listen closely, fans of the pod, you might be able to <laughs> yeah. hear. So what is that noise? It's I'm like, yeah, really we're hungry. hungry, which didn't happen. Like I came in fine, and then half hour later, apparently I'm famished. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go get lunch, Amy. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Mike, Amy, thank you for listening to me ramble (laughs) on about nothing. This is going to be our least viewed episode of The Bubble, almost certainly. (laughs) What was I saying? (laughs) Come on, come to The Bubble. We'll then make fun of how your your podcast you joined us, Amy, is going to be the least listened to. Well, just not a very good host. I hope you join us. (laughs) If there's ice cream involved, then probably, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyone who comes on the bubble gets ice cream. New rule. Mike's dollar. All right. This has been the bubble. Uh, thanks for listening to me ramble about music. We uh, we hope you'll have us back. I'm glad you didn't. I thought you were going to toss it to me. And again, I had no idea what the sign off was. So thank yeah. you for not. I saved you. Just going to run this. 
dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.